fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far right podcast Rebel News and talk about Ezra Levant being under investigation with my friend Caitlin. How are you, Caitlin? I'm doing okay. That's right. We're having a special episode. So I guess we won't do the usual Imperial Roundup and all that fun stuff. I will quickly plug our Patreon at patreon.com slash Imperial News. In case you get inspired to donate, you can do that over there. But we should probably just get right into it. This is an important episode, and I highly encourage people to listen all the way to the end to get the whole sort of like picture, because this is something we need to be prepared for, I think. And I'm going to try and be as nonpartisan as I can for this one. And it might be one worth sharing with any Ezra fans if you happen to find any in the wild. Ezra Levant is being investigated and received a letter from the Commissioner of Canada Elections that invited Ezra to participate in an investigation as to whether he violated third-party advertising laws in the Canada Elections Act. Ezra went to Ottawa for this meeting voluntarily and produced a 30-minute long video of footage he took of the meeting and his commentary on that footage. And this is how he frames the discussion. I wrote a book called The Libranos, what the media won't tell you about Justin Trudeau's corruption. During the election, it hit number two on the Amazon bestseller list with rave reviews. Justin Trudeau did not like that. So over Christmas, I received this letter from the government by registered mail, accusing me of breaking the law and demanding that I meet with investigators. And if I didn't, I'd get in deeper trouble. You can read that letter for yourself at saverebelnews.com. We have their own website for this. <laughs> they always have their own website for everything. A lot of websites they have to manage. Well, it's, it's like a, a sub-portion of their donation site. So you can see what they're doing. They're wanting people to go to this thing to donate. And they're pitching it as like, we're in for this big fight and we need legal help. Please donate to our thing. There are three points I want to talk about in this clip. The first is how he's framing this right at the start that Ezra had a best-selling book that's critical of Trudeau, therefore this is why he's being investigated. I will tell you right at the start that there is actually no evidence that this is the reason why he's being investigated, and there is no evidence presented by Ezra that this is the case, and that will become clear as we go through this. You can tell why he's doing this, though. This is not an argument for why Ezra did not break the law. It is a red herring to distract you from the evidence of the accusation. It is also an appeal to emotion. Poor Ezra is being persecuted by an evil government that is trying to silence him. I don't want to preclude this as a possibility. Vindictive prosecutions are not unfounded. They are possible. But Ezra needs to provide more evidence than simply, I wrote a bestseller, therefore Trudeau doesn't like me. To suggest he's being unjustly persecuted by a tyrannical government, he needs more than that. As we go forward, it will become clear that the question of guilt is going to surround pretty obvious stuff. And Ezra does not deny doing any of the clearly wrong stuff. So it's not like this is a case where Trudeau or the police have fabricated evidence against Ezra, which would be one reason to suggest that it's a vindictive prosecution. And all this is going to become relevant later as Ezra switches the frame to suggesting that he actually did break the law, but because the law was unjust. Now, he doesn't quite put it that way, but you can def you'll can you definitely see as the arc of this episode goes, he goes from being like, I did nothing wrong, I'm being vindictively persecuted, to this is an unjust law, and yeah, I kind of broke it. <laughs> 
If I got that right, then this initial framing is not only disingenuous at best, but at worst, it's an, it's an intentional mischaracterization. So he did this opening after already have being uh, at the investigation that he ended up recording. Secondly, Ezra claims that the letter is accusing him of breaking the law, but it does no such thing. So I'm going to read for you the first paragraph of the letter. Ezra has posted it on his website. He already said what the website is in the clip. So you can, if you, if you doubt what I'm saying, you can go and look for it yourself. My guess is he doesn't read this in the actual episode because the letter is actually specifically clear <laughs> about the reasons for his guilt, but it's posted on his website. So here's the opening paragraph. Pursuant to subsection 510.2 of the Canada Elections Act, this is to inform you that the Commissioner of Canada Elections has initiated an administrative investigation into allegations that Rebel News Network Limited, Rebel News in brackets, has contravened sections 352 and 353 of the Act. So if you read that language, what is it saying? This is to inform you that this group, the Commissioner of Canada Elections, this individual, has initiated an administrative investigation. Does initiating an administrative accusation or, or investigation count as an accusation of guilt? No. Right? Because if I'm just initiating an investigation, all that's saying is that there's enough evidence here for me to go, was there a crime here? It's not an accusation yeah. that indeed a crime has occurred. A lot of Ezra's fan base seems to be super upset at the mere fact that an investigation is happening, as if somehow this contravenes Ezra's due process rights. But investigations precede indictments and convictions. None of these people would argue that an investigation into a murder would be unjust, even though no one has yet been found guilty of the crime. <laughs> you know, you need to investigate the thing first. Before you can accuse someone of guilt. Right. The best case someone has made to me is that one of Ezra's fans, at least that came at one of the posts I had on Twitter, was that not all complaints need to be investigated because some things are obviously not crimes. What I hope to convince people by the end of this episode, including diehard Ezra fans who may be listening, is that there is, in fact, sufficient evidence to warrant an investigation, while at the same time maybe being neutral about their being guilt. But I lean towards the he actually broke the law side of this. Lastly, Ezra claims that the letter demands he meet with the investigators, and if he doesn't, he will be in deeper trouble. This is what the letter actually says regarding compliance with the investigation. The fact that the commissioner has decided to proceed by way of an administrative in investigation indicates that he is of the view that the matter would be best dealt with administratively rather than by way of a criminal prosecution. While you are under no obligation to cooperate with investigators during this investigation, the act provides at section 508.61 that the provision of all reasonable assistance to the commissioner is one of the factors taken into account in determining the amount of an administrative monetary penalty that could be imposed at the conclusion of the investigation. This is not a demand, mm -hmm. but you might argue it is done with the threat of further monetary penalties yeah. if he doesn't comply. In terms of the penalties, notice that Ezra is only being administratively investigated and not criminally. Yeah. This means that the election commissioner does not currently perceive the possible violation as warranting a criminal investigation, which comes with the possibility of jail between one to five years and a fines ranging between twenty to fifty thousand dollars. 
or less. In the Elections Act, it states that the administrative monetary penalties are not designed to punish people, but to promote compliance with the Act. In other words, the Commissioner does not think that what Rebel did was so severe that it mer merits severe punishment. They are simply saying, if we find you did what we think you might have done, which is in fact illegal, then we are giving you this small fine to remind you to please comply with the law. <laughs> the maximum administrative monetary penalty is $1,500 for an individual violator and $5,000 for a corporation. Mm -hmm. In this case, the commission is going after the corporation, thus Rebel might have to pay $5,000 yeah. at most. But it is also open to serving administrative monetary penalties to individuals. So maybe Ezra himself will also get dinged with a $1,500 fine. Now, the reason that this is a maximum fine is because they may determine that the violation was not intentional. You, like, you can imagine a scenario where someone did something that violated the law, but like was completely ignorant to what the law was. And yeah. then when you pointed it out to them, they're like, oh, shit, I did do that. And then you'd be like, okay, well, I'm not going to fine you $5,000 will work something out, right? Especially if you have evidence that it was completely an accident or something like that. Hence why a lack of compliance might impact the severity of the fine. So Ezra doesn't show up to the meeting, that's showing some sort of like, not an admission of guilt, but some sort of like guilty mind there. Or as you will see, he's gonna spend a lot of time in the interview being very confrontational with the people that's an act of non-compliance. So not only is actually showing up to the thing and being non-compliant, that is also going to affect how much money he's going to pay at the end of this thing. Yeah. Which won't exceed $5,000. So in the end, it's still, he's complaining about a $5,000 fine. He also misleads his audience about the implications of an administrative investigation. For one, he does not say he's being administratively investigated at all in the piece. And... Here he is stating that he could actually go to jail for this. I was curious, were they really serious? Were they really going to investigate me and prosecute me and fine me, maybe even jail me for writing a book that criticized their boss during an election? Yes. That's a very clear statement. I don't think he actually thinks because he has lawyers. They're reading the law. I mean, he, he is technically a lawyer. He well, is technically a lawyer himself. <laughs> As it stands, given the current investigation, there is no jail time on the table. That being said, I don't know if it is possible that someone can be so non-compliant with the administrative investigation that the election commissioner decides to then pursue a criminal investigation instead. I also don't know how that would look in terms of PR if the election commissioner actually ended up doing that. After all, Ezra's book and lawn signs are one thing. Someone using millions of dollars of unregistered like funds uh, to influence a campaign is another. Like, There's going to be a level at which you're doing so much interference in this election that they're going to be more harsh with the kind of punish punishments they dole out. And it's not clear to me that like Ezra is at that yeah. threshold either, being fair to Ezra. But I want to highlight here what Ezra is doing might seem benign in the sense that he's challenging this law. But if he gets what he wants, he could be making the, the latter more possible. Right? So if you start removing some of these regulations that constrain the types of behaviors that Ezra wants to do, then anyone with a shit ton of money can just be like purchasing books and stuff at election time to like sway an election, right? And just dump an unlimited amount of money on it because you don't have to get registered to do it. And to have our elections flooded with unlimited corporate donations, 
as is what happened in the United States and the Citizens United versus FEC Supreme Court decision, Mm -hmm. is not going to be a good thing. We see what that's doing to the United States, where now you have uh, companies that can just spend as much money as they want. Like Mike Bloomberg, who's basically bought himself into an election. And the good news is in the United States, a majority of both parties, like when you uh, poll the people, are against that Supreme Court decision. So we don't want Ezra to be eroding these things uh, such that we have that in Canada as well. And I hope some of the more conservative members who listen to Ezra would also agree with me on that point. The libertarians might be a lost cause. but (laughs) We're now going to get to some of the footage that Ezra took of the meeting in Ottawa with the investigators. This first clip is going to come at you fast, and I think this is intentional. The senior investigator actually told me that by choosing to publish my book during the election, that made it an illegal campaign activity. Here, take a look. You did a a blurb online that I watched, and you speak about, of course, that it was released in time for the election, which if, if that's your position today, that wouldn't allow you to have the exemption for for advertising for a book. Yeah, I think I know why they told me I wasn't allowed to videotape my interrogation. And just to be clear, uh, because of the security features uh, in this area here, I know a video recording will be allowed. Thanks for the suggestion, but one thing I've learned from kangaroo courts is that no one will believe how bad they are unless they see it with their own eyes. So instead of telling you how it went, let me show you. Yeah, like we laughed at the kangaroo court thing because this isn't a court proceeding. It's no. an investigation. No, yeah. But also, they clearly stated at the end there that like there's security reasons for why you're not allowed to record in this room. But he recorded anyway, so I don't know if that makes him culpable for another crime, right? So a lot of his fans online that interacted with me was saying like, there, there's certain laws that allow like a one-party acknowledgement recording can take place or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. And maybe that is true, but if you're in a specific government building that specifies that you can't record video, that becomes a different scenario altogether. I don't know what the legal legality around that is. That's the kind of science. It has issue. to be in public area, and I think a government building would be, so I'm not sure. Unless there's specified laws, because like, but I don't know. I don't know enough. I'll just put like that one off to the side. But did you get a whiplash from that first edit? Like he, he placed this clip of them discussing what he did. And then boom, he's like, I know why they didn't want me to film it. And then like he's off on this other tangent. But what that first clip he plays is actually saying is the most important thing of the whole exchange. And there's a reason why Ezra frames it the way that he does. Right at the beginning of his video, Ezra frames the claim as, they're mad at me for choosing to publish this book during the election. But the investigator frames it as, uh, are releasing the book in a time for the election. Yeah. So the difference there is like, see, you, you just choose to release the book and it just happens to land on the election versus actually planning on releasing it during the election. And that is the question at debate here. It's the actual legal thing. And it's in the letter. <laughs> so when you read the letter of his guilt, I'll just read it here. They specify what the law is uh, about third-party advertising. And then they conclude with this. So in in the law about uh, third-party advertising, it talks about, in brackets, election advertising. And at the beginning of the uh, Elections Canada Act, 
is a part where they like describe terms. And so they have a term for election advertising, and this is sort of what they're clarifying. So in the letter that they sent to Ezra, this is what they say. As you may be aware, the definition of election advertising in the act contains examples of some communications that could promote or oppose a registered party or candidate, but that do not constitute election advertising. Among these examples is one that applies to the promotion of the sale of a book. So that sounds good for Ezra, right? He's just promoting a book, so that's okay. But then it goes on and they underline this. So they underlined if, and then it goes on, the book was planned to be made available to the public, underlined, regardless whether there was to be an election. So what that's stipulating is that if you plan to release it on an election for the purpose of manipulating an election, you violated the law. If it happens to come out when the election is happening, that's perfectly legal. And they put it right in the letter that they yeah. sent. Now, we actually, interesting enough, and if you listen to that clip, if you go back and listen to it, he talks about a blurb in his show. And I think we actually covered it because this was back in episode three when he initiated the release of his book. And the title of that episode says, How Rebel News Will Cover the Canadian Election, plus new book, The Libranos. So even in the title, it implicates Ezra. Now, we're not like fully on the train of that that's a clear indication of guilt. Yeah. But it's, it's in the ballpark. But we're going to play. So this first clip happens at the 11-minute mark of September 9th. And what I want to do is build with these clips, sort of like showing the case that they're going to make, which is that he's clearly talking about the use of this book in accordance with the campaign. So this is from the episode on September 9th on the Ezra Labonte show. And it's at the 11 minute mark in case anyone wants to go and find it. It is still up on his website. So you can go and listen to it all that you want. So what should we do here at Rebel News? What should we do? Should we campaign against Justin Trudeau? There are a few registered third party campaign groups out there on the right. They'll be outnumbered 10 to one by the left. They'll be outspent 100 to one by the pro-Trudeau super PACs. But, but should we do that? Well, no. Because we're not a political party. We're not a political campaign group. We're not members of any party here. We're, we're independent. We criticize any and every party when we think they're wrong. And we praise any party when we think they're right. You can tell in this clip what Ezra is discussing is what, Re what rebels should be doing during the election. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how he's framing here. All I want to use that clip is to say, we're talking about the context of an election and how rebel is going to cover it. This next clip then happens at the 13 minute mark. I guess I come back to the question, what are we going to do during this election? We're not going to be a third-party campaign group. That's not our style. I think we've got a better plan, though. We're not going to take on the Liberal Party. That's the job of the other parties. We're going to take on something far, far worse, something that's going to be much more vicious and much less honest than Trudeau. We here at Rebel News are going to take on the media party. I remember when we first yeah. played that clip because you reacted very... For, with ferocious laughter about the media party. <laughs> I think that was like one of the first times we realized that he was, uh, he uses the media party quite a lot. Notice again, this is all being framed in terms of election coverage, even if the supposed target is the media party. Now, the rest of the episode, and you might remember this too, they had clip after clip. It was like a B-roll episode where he was like, look at Sheila, harass this person. Look at Kia and harass yeah, this yeah, person. Yeah. And he was like hyping up, like, this is going to be my election team. 
And then he finally gets to the point around the 32 minute mark. And I wanna talk to Canadians too. I don't wanna just talk to the pundits. I wanna talk to real Canadians to hear from them to do streeters, as we call them, asking the man on the street what they really think. I don't care what the left-wing pollsters and pundits on the CBC and CTV lobbyists panel think. I know what they think. They all agree. Omar Khadr's the real victim. A carbon tax is a good idea, at least for the little people. If you oppose open borders immigration, you're probably a racist, et cetera, et cetera. No, 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 no. I also want to talk to real Canadians, severely normal people. So I want to roll out more of those Jumbotron trucks to get the conversation going. We love doing those. And I want to do something that should have been done four years ago, but wasn't. I want to vet Canada's prime minister. And I have. I vetted him and his whole team through the lens of corruption. And so I'm pleased to announce to you, my friends, a new book. You can tell this is still about the election because Ezra references that four years ago this should have been done, but we're doing it now, right? So it should have been done last election, but we're now doing it this election. In other words, Trudeau was not vetted then, and now we're doing it this election. And it all builds up to this moment, around the 34 minute mark. So we need a 100% grassroots citizen-based marketing strategy to spread the word about Trudeau and his Lebranos. That's where the lawn signs come in. They're not party ads. They don't promote one party or another. They promote the book. But they're perfect for anyone who wants to show their opinions about the first prime minister in Canadian history to be convicted of breaking the law, not once, but on five counts. So that's our campaign plan. Not a political campaign. It's a journalistic campaign, a plan to tell the other side of the story. Our competitors are not the liberals. Our competitors are the media party. And our advantage is we are not bought off by any of the political parties like they are. We can be honest. We can be independent. And so we are going to swarm the campaign trail. We're going to crisscross the country. We're going to Scrum politicians on the streets, at the doors. We're not going to be managed and scripted like the government journalists at the CBC. And I promise you, I will not go on any dates with Justin Trudeau like Rosemary Barton did. Boy, she's in love. I think we'll make a big difference, don't you? I think we'll make a big difference, don't you? I think that we're going to do this all around the campaign and impact it in a political way. Even though we're saying we're not doing it in a partisan way, but we're going to impact the election in some capacity with the lawn signs and the way we're going to interview and the release of my book and the fact that I'm not dating Rosemary Barton. It's all going to have a big impact on this election. Now, I want to play the original footage again of what the investigator says in that clip. And it'll become much clearer that what the investigator is getting at when Ezra plays it and then just sort of like, moves on for some reason. You did a, a blurb online that I watched and you speak about, of course, that it was released in time for the election. Which if, if that's your position today, that wouldn't allow you to have the exemption for, for advertising for a book. Yeah, I think I know why they told me I wasn't allowed to videotape my interrogation. And I play that last little bit again because you can tell Ezra plays the thing and knows he has absolutely nothing to say to that. Yeah. Because that that is the case. He broke the law. And instead he has to like immediately divert from that and start talking about something else. And so we've already, <laughs> like all this is already like figured out. It's only two minutes into his like special video uh, about this 
video that he made. But we'll go on a bit more into what happens. So Ezra then starts asking his own questions, like how many people are involved in the investigation, which is irrelevant. Like who cares how many people are involved in the investigation? It could be 20, it could be 10. Like does it yeah. really matter? And then he asks, what is exactly the complaint against me? Or what exactly is the complaint against me? Anyways, when we sat down, I actually asked the first question to the cops. What exactly was the complaint against me? I'd come all the way to Ottawa to defend myself against some complaint, but they hadn't shown it to me yet, so I didn't know what I had supposedly done wrong. Take a look at this. Uh, can I see the complaint against me? The letter that you received? No. I presume that you're investigating oh, based complaint. on a complaint. Yeah. Well, this is still part of the investigation, so we'll have to, uh, once the investigation's been uh, completed, um, the commission will have to make a decision, and at that point, he'll have to decide if, if that is releasable or not. It's not so something that's usually is released, no. So it's a secret complaint? It's not a secret complaint. It's just a complaint that's part of the investigation. What he's trying to do here, if it isn't obvious already, is that it's irrelevant who actually made the complaint, but Ezra knows that what he did is wrong. It is in the letter he was sent. So here's the other thing. He knows what the actual like complaint is in terms of what the law is set against him because it's in the letter. I already read it. But what he wants to know is who made the complaint. Yeah. And again, why does he need to know that? Like this is the same bullshit that's happening with the impeachment scandal in the United States when they talk about the whistleblower. Because the idea is like, why don't we get to know what the whistleblower said? But like, what, why does it matter what the whistleblower said? The other thing is that like, it should be really obvious why investigators don't tell the people they are investigating who gave them information for very obvious reasons, like retaliation. Yeah. <laughs> How many people would make complaints if they knew that cops would immediately tell the person that harmed them who ratted on them? The reason you do this is to promote people coming forward. If the person who made the complaint eventually wants to be a witness during a trial, then that is different, right? Because then you get to face your accuser if they're making an accusation against you. But simply informing investigators, hey, I think there might be a crime over here and here's some evidence that I have. Like that doesn't give Ezra the right to know who made that complaint. Yeah, I agree. Ezra then plays a clip of him refusing to give his name to the investigators, saying it's a secret. Because just like the complaint secret, I don't have to tell you anything. To it. And then like the guy just goes, he signed Ezra as he entered the building. <laughs> Ezra then complains he was trapped by coming to Ottawa and then plays a clip of the investigator saying he's free to leave at any time, which is clear by the letter that I already read as well. Ezra then asks them what documents they want from me. Like, what documents do you want from me? And they respond, whatever you think will help with the investigation. Clearly like, why are you asking this? And this is how Ezra responds to that. I don't want to provide you anything because I think this is an unlawful investigation. I think it's political in nature. Uh, I think it's probably unconstitutional. So I don't want to provide you with anything. I'm here under protest. I didn't want to come here, but your letter made it clear that coming here would reduce any penalties. So it makes sense for me to come here but I come here under some duress. So I'm asking you if you want any documents and you're dancing around. Do you want my doc? I don't want to give you anything, but I'm asking you if you want my documents and you won't say so. Why are you being so strange about this? Do you want any documents or not? 
We don't know if we need documents or not right now at this point. Like, you can tell the investigators are just fucking baffled by what they're experiencing right now. Yeah. Because they haven't asked for documents. The, the sole purpose of being in this room is just to, like, be like, well, what was your intent yeah. in publishing? Like, did you plan on releasing this during the elections? Because that would be a violation. And they'll, like, work through it, right? But here he is going, like, do you want my documents? And they're just like, well, we got... Why do we do we need your documents? <laughs> you know, like it's like a weird way to approach this uh, investigation. You want the truth? You can't yeah. handle the truth. That's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. I mean, the only reason that they would want documents is that, like, say Ezra has some sort of like exculpatory document showing that, like, it really wasn't their intention to release it. Then, like, maybe, maybe they had documents showing they were going to release the book. Like, yeah, but then why would they make it sound like? You're going to try to get my documents? You want the real truth? Like, Because really all Ezra is trying to do here is make it seem like this investigation is going to start prying Ezra apart looking for documents and that this is really something I don't know like, what you're getting at. It's you like, can't take me. <laughs> yeah, it's like government overreach. It's like, they're coming for me and I gotta... Like, You'll have to torture me for those documents. Then like the annoying thing is, Ezra spins this bafflement by the investigators as some kind of Kafka-esque tactic, like they're not being as forthcoming oh, yeah. as they should be. And like, this is really the- It's a kangaroo court. It's a kangaroo court, exactly. When all the investigators want to know is what was the intent behind publishing the book during the elections and putting up the one sign. That's all they want to know. That's all they came to ask for. And that's pretty much all their questions are surrounding that issue. Ezra also mentions he thinks this might be unconstitutional. It isn't. It might be that Ezra thinks the law is bad, but a bad law is still a law, wouldn't make it unconstitutional, but we can get into the implications of that later. <laughs> Ezra also complains about the possibility of penalty for not showing. However, Ezra really should have read the law. 508.61 of the Elections Act reads that the amount of an administrative penalty is to be determined taking into account and then it goes and it lists a bunch of things yeah. that you need to take into account. So part F reads like this, whether the person or entity has provided all reasonable assistance to the commissioner with respect to the violation, including reporting it and providing any relevant information. Yes, showing up is showing that you're participating in the investigation and is something that can be considered. But him sitting there and stonewalling and being a dick about it is not going to help his case. <laughs> it's actually, he could have just stayed home and it would have affected him probably less, I think, than doing what he's doing. Ezra then wants to know if they will ever subpoena him for documents. What? <laughs> he's not in court. Well, if, uh, you could subpoena documents in an investigation. Oh, by I going like, I have reasons to want to look into this. Can you give me a warrant, basically, right? But they have no... Uh, as you could tell, they have no reason to think that they need any documents. So they're just basically like, not yet, not that we know of. <laughs> the next clip is astonishing. I have never seen a letter of accusation, a threat letter before, from any public authority that contains within it a defense against the accusation. Uh, I'm talking about the paragraph on the second page by Milan Gijou that says, um, as you may know, the definition of election advertising in the act contains examples of some communications that could promote or oppose a registered party or candidate 
but that do not constitute election advertising. Among those examples, these examples is one that applies to the promotion of the sale of a book. If the book was planned to be made available to the public, regardless of whether there is to be election. So right in your letter, you show me that books and the promotion of books are exempt. I've never seen a cop pull me over and say, you were speeding, but I got to tell you, my radar gun's broken, so you probably weren't speeding. You say you accused me of breaking the law, but right in your own letter, you show that I'm not. So why am I here? We are not investigating the book or the contents of the book. You, you have the, and it says right here, or the promotion of a book. The promotion of the sale of a book we need is exempt. We need to determine if the signage was actually promotion of the book or was it political advertising? There, That's there's the three words on the sign. There's three words on the sign. You need help figuring out what they mean? He literally reads out loud the accusation. And then he focuses on the wrong part. This part genuinely baffles me, and I don't know that he thought he had a good argument and then realized he read too much. But then he released that part of the video anyways to the public. Him reading the part that literally says, if the book was planned to be made available to the public, regardless of whether it was, there was to be an election. Yeah. But he keeps focusing on, I'm exonerated based on your own letter because it just says the promotion of the sale of a book is okay. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> it's like, it's either stupidity or it's intentional. And I, I wonder if he's ever defended someone in law. I hope not. <laughs> he's doing a good job. Then he responds to the footage, again, leaving out the key line of his guilt. Look, we promoted the book in a dozen ways. Posters, coffee mugs, t-shirts, videos, fun lawn signs, a giant billboard. And the law exempts it all, books and the promotion of books. Now, several times these cops said that they weren't actually interested in investigating my book, just my promotion of the book that said, buy the book. I played a bit of the end there to show that he just skips right over it. He complains that the investigators said they weren't going to ask him about the book specifically. This is like one of his big, they're out because of my book. And then he claims, but they did ask me about my book. They said they weren't going to, and then they did. But the clip... Uh, like Ezra immediately plays following him saying that is not about the content of the book, but about how the team planned for the book. Justin Trudeau's police are asking me why I wrote a book about Justin Trudeau when Justin Trudeau was in an election campaign. They asked me all sorts of questions about the book. Can we speak about your communications plan for the book, your marketing for the book? Well, um, I'll, I'll listen to your questions. To see, to see clarity? I'll listen to your questions. We just wondered if you have a communication plan or a marketing plan. What was your marketing plan, sir? Did you do it all yourself? Did you have a team? Which is speaking directly to the part of the law he's being accused of violating, right? So it's not a gotcha question. It's not asking him like, well, what specifically did you write about Justin Trudeau, right? They're asking him, what was your intent in writing the book and releasing it at the time that you did? Ezra asks if they are investigating anyone else for this. And he names somebody named John Iveson who wrote a book called Trudeau that was re released in August of 2019. And they kind of answer in the, affir the affirmative. It's kind of like muffled and not clear, but it sounds like they say yes, but they don't go into any details of what that mm -hmm. investigation led to. And there's no way to really affirm that they did, in fact, investigate him unless like John Iverson be like, yep, they did. And, uh, or Iverson and it admits to it or whatever. But in Iverson's defense, he didn't make a recording on a podcast, like specifying that he was going to make this uh, his uh, part of the campaign. Yeah. 
And then he also didn't create lawn signs to then advertise for that book during the election campaign. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it doesn't matter if, if you know, you're like, well, he did it too. Ezra's next line of attack is to accuse the government of wanting him to register his book. But what the investigator asks immediately after he suggests that is simply whether or not Ezra considered res- registering as a third party. Ezra's answer does not help him if his goal is to prevent the case that he's innocent. Did you give any consideration of saying, maybe I should register as a third party for this circumstance, or maybe I shouldn't um, because of my interpretation of what I'm going to do, or did you um, not make that determination? Tim, I appreciate the question. Yeah, I absolutely did think about that at great length. Do you want to share any of those thoughts? Well, sure, some of them. I mean, I thought... The day I register with the government to write a book is the day we no longer are the true north strong and free. This is an admission of guilt. He's saying, yeah, I considered the law. It says that if I was going to do something to be perfectly safe, I probably should register as a third party. Yeah. But I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. Because it goes against my principles. Because it goes against my principles. And here's the thing. If Ezra simply stated through this whole thing, yes, I broke the law because the current law is not just. I happen to think he's wrong about that, but it's a lot more honest and I would have respect for his principles. But instead, he's doing this weird game that like, I'm innocent, I didn't break the law, but also if if I did break the law, it's because the law is unjust and I'm like on some sort of moral crusade. After that, that's the end of the whole investigation. Ezra then has a segment where he's sitting down with his lawyer. It becomes a lot more clear that Ezra probably did break the law. Let me ask you a question, and I want to preface it by saying, you're our lawyer, so you give us some advice sometimes that's private, and it's Mm. subject to solicitor-client privilege, Mm. which means the government can't know about it. And I don't want you to divulge any secrets online because I know they're watching me. They told me. They watch my videos in the government. What can you say, though, that doesn't give away a solicitor-client privilege about how we'll fight back? And the reason I'm asking is a lot of our viewers, they want to sort of know the battle plan. My hunch, and we haven't talked about this much, is that right now I really don't have a lot of remedies because they haven't really done anything other than ask me some dumb questions. But they're implying they might subpoena documents. They're implying... Um, that they might charge me. Like, there's a lot of things they're hinting at. Yeah. They won't even show me the complaint, which I think is, it's so Orwellian. Hmm. Is there anything at this stage to do, or do we have to wait till they actually pull the trigger? Well, ultimately, I think it depends on, um, on how willing of a in, of a of a uh, investigated party you're 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 willing to be. I want to fight tooth and nail. Yeah, every like every inch. I I want to do. Everything I can. I think you know that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I know how you fight and I love it. I think that, um, you know, even based on the letter, right? And I think it, it's clear to see that, uh, there's an implication that there's a way out, uh, if you play nice. Right. And that's why I went down there. They yeah. said, if you're smart, you'll come and talk to us. Yeah. And so I think that by, um, by, by pushing back a little bit, uh, you're causing a little bit of a dilemma for them. Uh, 
But ultimately, uh, I, I think the, the idea is to fully uh, participate uh, in the investigation to the extent uh, that they require you to. Uh, it is, uh, you know, it, it's a serious investigation, as you, uh, as you described earlier. They go after serious offenses, um, and they can give out some pretty serious uh, some, some pretty serious punishments. So it's important to cooperate in the investigation, but at the same time, it is important to, to push back, to fight back, and, and ultimately to, uh, to prevail upon what, in our view, appears to be uh, an undemocratic law. And you can even tell with the lawyer, the way he's talking, like this is, like there's a moment where the lawyer's like, yeah, this is a real serious offense. You should take it seriously, like all these kind of things. But then Ezra says he's going to dedicate all of his resources to destroying this law. Okay. And this is actually reminiscent of what he said he was going to do to Section 13 back in 2008 when he started writing his shakedown book. And that has me concerned because I don't want to I don't want to inflate Ezra's ego, but he was part of a public campaign that actually convinced the conservative government to get rid of Section 13. And it wasn't that the law was unconstitutional. They just didn't like it because it prevented them from saying their bigoted shit. Yeah. Now, I happen to think it was a good law and want it in place. So here's the thing. Why do we have laws like the thing that Ezra is now saying is unjust, this third-party campaign law? Do we want our elections to be like the United States, where just anyone can pour as much money into an election campaign as possible, and therefore it is very hard for people who are low on the social economic spectrum to be able to participate in elections and have their voices heard? Or do we want a more egalitarian society where all people can participate in an election equally? Well, yeah. Well, it's also to not like bias results as well. Because if you're paying more into elections or you're promoting it as a larger company, that, that skews results rather than it coming from the people. And here's the thing, it's like, the people have spoken. This is in our laws. And there's a reason why this yeah. is in our laws. Because we don't want our elections to turn into that. Yeah. Not saying that our elections are perfect for all kinds of other reasons. But I don't think an influx of like corporate money is going to make it any better. He can't just argue that he wants billionaires pouring money into our politics. He instead has to say that these laws have silenced his speech by preventing him from writing a book. This was the exact same argument in Shakedown that there was a law that prevented bigots from gen uh, from promoting genocide in this country. And Ezra turned into a free speech argument saying that leftists were just trying to prevent right-wing speech. Similar here, the law really isn't trying to target Ezra and his book necessarily, but saying that if we allow what Ezra wanted to do, that could have implications that could have like a bigger problem. I don't think Ezra has the kind of buy-in he did in 2008. I feel like after Charlottesville, his sort of like star has fallen a bit. So I'm not sure what kind of like traction he could get. Plus, I don't think that the cause he was fighting for back in 2008 to get rid of Section 13 is the same as, is analogous to Citizens United, because I do think given how unpopular it is in the United States, and we know about it up here, that no one think that most people do not think it's a good idea. So I don't know if it'll gain like the sort of traction that he might think that it could. Yeah, I don't want to inflate his ego, but I think we do need to take him seriously. And I don't think we should underestimate him. It is likely he's receiving a ton of money from libertarians. We actually know that he's received tons of money from the Coke people who have benefited highly from Citizens United and are the types of people who would want to promote this kind of campaign. 
I'm not saying trying to be like a conspiracy theorist that like what's happening here is the Cokes are like funding Ezra to do these kind of stunts to try to like whittle away these laws. Yeah. But it's not something the Coke people have not done in the past. <laughs> so it's like, it leaves me going, this is icky. There's something here. It's a bit icky. Now there are two routes for him. The one is to fight a legal battle. And then you hope that it goes all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court will rule in your favor. I think he'll fail at that. I don't think our Supreme Court is like the United States Supreme Court. I think they would rule that the law on the books is constitutional, unlike what Ezra is saying. But the other route, which he did for Section 13, was to go on a huge media campaign and turn people against the law and wait for a conservative majority government and then get them to pass it into law. And that's a possibility. Hopefully... This is also, as I said, it's also unpopular with conservatives, and hopefully it remains that way. Yeah. But this is something that we need to be aware of. So if this pops up, you need to like point out, like these are the moves that Ezra is trying to play here, and I don't trust him at all. And this is why I do the show, to like point out, like the, there's clearly some sort of like thing happening here. I'm not quite sure what it is, because I don't think Ezra is as coherent as maybe some other grifters are. <laughs> so like some of what he's done here is a bit muddled. Yeah. And I, don't, I honestly think that might boil down to some just lack of thinking in the moment. So with all that being said, any do, did I make a case? Do we think he broke the law? No, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty clear to me. Yeah. And uh I was like right from the beginning, I was like, Jody, you don't even have to keep going on. Uh, I get it. I think I made a thorough case though. I mean I do think the ending is important. I, I do worry I do worry what could happen. The the fact that section three thirteen did get removed, like he's not he's not a benign figure. <laughs> I guess. You know? yeah. recorded this episode on Monday. It is now Thursday as I wrap up the editing process. You might hear some noise in the background because right now my kids are at home because their teachers are on strike. So shout out to Edfo. I just want to highlight that there has been little to no media coverage so far on what we have covered in this episode beyond a single op-ed by Rex Murphy in the National Post and a blurb in another piece in the National Post by Jonathan Kay. In that piece, Jonathan Kay fails to mention that his mother is a regular contributor on Ezra's show, but also Rex Murphy is an old CBC talking head conservative who has received money from oil and gas conglomerates, so you could tell where his bias leads as well. And if you read the piece, it's really terrible. He misses a lot of the stuff that we covered in this episode, and it's bad that he's using his platform to publish nonsense. Ezra is doing a conspiracy tour, though. He went on Alex Jones's show, InfoWars. Knowledge Fight, who uh, was the inspiration for this podcast, had covered that uh, this week on their show. And they came to similar conclusions about what Ezra is doing here, mainly selling his uh, book, but also trying to increase downloads and views to his show. They also mentioned the implication this case has in terms of their own case with Citizens United at the American Supreme Court. 
But there is a further analogy that neither of us really picked up on, which is that the group Citizens United was fighting a campaign law because they wanted to air an anti-Hillary Clinton conspiracy advertisement promoting their own conspiracy film. And this was during the lead up to the 2008 primary between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, which, of course, Barack Obama ended up winning. I also think it is important to make the connection between his battles with the Human Rights Commissions and the repeal of Section 13 of the Human Rights Act. And that is one of the benefit of the work we have been doing on the show. So thank you for those who have continued to support us and share our work. And please help us make sure this isn't forgotten and that we continue to remain vigilant against this right-wing battle against what I take to be reasonable campaign finance and advertising laws. There are two more things I want to mention before I sign off as I am editing this. The RCMP are currently arresting indigenous peoples on their unceded, unceded territories in Wet'suwet'en. I am deeply ashamed of my country right now. And if you want to help, please send money to their legal defense fund at Unistoten Camp. That's U-N-I-S-T-O-T-E-N dot C-A-M-P. Also contact your MPs. Let them know how disgusted you are with what is happening. I do want to end on a positive note, though which is that when we were recording this episode, the Iowa caucus was happening and the full results are still not out as I am editing this. I think so far it's at 96% with Pete Buttigieg in a slight lead of 0.1% over Bernie Sanders, with the remaining precincts being ones that are strongly in favor of Sanders. So it's likely that Sanders is going to win, but it's a virtual tie with Pete and Bernie getting 11 delegates each. But more importantly, we are witnessing the collapse of Joe Biden, who is now plummeting in the polls. With even the 538 people who analyze polls, they're putting the odds of Bernie winning the entire primary at 50%, which is ahead of Biden sitting at 18%. There are a lot of conspiracy theories going around about how the Iowa... DNC has handled this caucus situation, like the weird company that built the app that failed, the possibility of reporting and rounding errors at various precincts. I personally think this has more to do with incompetence, but I have one small thing to add, which is that all these people getting mad at supposed Bernie bros being conspiracy theorists, one good selling point is that if Trump decides to meddle in the election or refuses to leave office, the Bernie people are not going to let him get away with it. They're going to fight this like they fight with the DNC for fair election results. So, support striking teachers, support Wet'suwet'en, Bernie 2020, and let's keep fighting to make this world a better place. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.